Hi, welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I am your host, Jeff Pedowitz, president and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have Pam Pelidian, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Navy Federal Credit Union. Pam, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. It's such a, such a pleasure to have you. Big, big company, Navy Federal. You got, you got a lot of responsibilities. I do, and we've had a lot of growth. We're at uh, we're the largest credit union. We have 12.7 million members serving active duty veterans and their families. So uh, a lot of responsibilities too for that group to make sure we're doing the right thing for them. I know um, part of your mantra and the reason why your growth is some of your core values, and you have a statement at, at Navy that says value and values to win. Could you expand on that? Sure, and really it's based on our mission. Our mission is as a credit union serving those that are eligible to join, as I mentioned. So we really talk about as a member owned, so each one of those members is a part owner, a nonprofit credit union. Our mission is always making sure that we're putting those members first in the decisions that we make. Our tagline is much bigger than a tagline. It is our members are the mission. And um, we adopted that probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And really at the time, uh, a fabulous reminder to all of our employees, as well as a member that that really is our orientation, our point, our, our, our North Star, if you will. But the value and values that you talk about is the values is that alignment with our mission and people that might not be eligible to join, but still respect the fact that what we do for active duty and for veterans who deserved a lot, who earned a lot of these benefits, they respect that and they really value that in us as a nonprofit with that mission. That said, especially in this economy, you know, often people are still looking for a value and value is price rates and quality as it always has been but it's also evolved to include stress how can we minimize your stress how can we make it easy for you because let's face it often you're paying for different products and services with your time and we love our members we want them to spend time with us but probably one of their metrics for a good day isn't how long they could spend with their bank or credit union so we want to make sure that we make it efficient for them as well. So for us, it's really about talking about our values so they can see the alignment with what's important to them, as well as the value that we deliver to them in savings and simplicity and ease. So, I mean, I think every company has a mission statement in some way, shape or form. And I suppose some are more successful than others in actually getting us integrated into their operations versus just a poster on the wall. Can you walk us through some of the things that you do leading the marketing organization and how you actually operationalize this? Yes, I can. And uh, thank you for asking. You know, for us, um, it's a little bit easier than if we weren't a credit union because obviously only certain folks are eligible to join. So it makes it easier for us to ask, answer that question, who are you doing this for and how? So from an operational standpoint, that's always job one, is what does this do for the member? Is it good for the member? And if so, how? And then from a, uh, my job here as a CMO is really about telling that story and serving as our growth engine to connect with more people that are eligible to join and get them to join. You have to be a member before you can do anything else. So membership is job one. 
And then the second part of my job is making sure that those members become engaged advocates. And engagement, yes, it is about the products and services you buy from us. So part of my team is responsible for marketing those products and, and services to you. But it's also about getting you to advocate for us and trust us and recommend us. And we look at all of that as a relationship. So my team's also responsible for the things that we can do in terms of enhancing those relationships and, com and communicating and encouraging you to be part of that. We do uh, event activations. And part of that is really just showing that we're, we're involved in things you care about. We're the official military partner for the National Hockey League and veterans uh, follow hockey and, and throughout their um, journeys and their careers in terms of moving. Well, that's a sport that they have affinity for and will follow. But we also saw aligned values with the league in terms of respecting that service. So things like that are a big part of our marketing mix. So our, our marketing is all about prospecting and branding and onboarding and uh, what we need to do for engagement. So given that you do serve primarily um, former service members, what built-in advantages does it give you? And if anything, does it create any disadvantages or challenges for you from a marketing standpoint? Well, the disadvantage is we, um, you know, the disadvantage is not everybody's going to qualify for membership. So every dollar we spend talking to somebody that can't join is wasted. Um, maybe they would still feel good about us, but they can't really have that relationship that I've been talking about. So we have a, um, a challenge that's um, sometimes from a marketing and data standpoint, hard to measure. Once you're active duty, that we can identify you easier um, as active duty. But once you're a veteran, veterans are a very diverse group. You could be a veteran after four years of service, left with an honorable discharge and have another career. Uh, you could also be a veteran and have 30 years of service and everywhere in between. So that is a little bit of a challenge. And we know that we can't put veterans all in the same bucket, nor can you active duty. Um, Army have different experiences than Air Force, than the Navy, than the Coast Guard, et cetera. So it definitely has the nuances and um, as I mentioned, we really are about selling that relationship. So showing the relationship, I have to show that I know you. Well, knowing you across that membership base of over 12 million is a challenge. So we work really, really hard at that. Um, do we always get it right? No, um, but we that's really part of what we're really trying to do with it. It's like I, I, we talk about, you know, I go back to the tagline, our members. It's not the membership that's the mission. It's the member, which is about you individually. So that is a challenge to get to know you. Given that you are so large and the changing demographics, I mean, less people going to physical locations now and, and they're, they want more digital type of banking. How do you continue to maintain that intimacy? How do you build the relationship in, in these changing kind of times? Jeff, you nailed it in terms of the challenge. Um, here we talk about the need to be physical, and that is both physical and digital together. And we say that because physical for us is the path to a human. And a human could work in one of our 357 branches or could be on the phones that we operate 24-7, all stateside. But we know that often our members want a path to a human. So it's about being a physical path and giving our members a path to a human, uh, regardless of the channel that they wanted to, to start the process in. 
you mentioned the comment about people preferring digital. That's true for some things, but there are other things when you want to talk to a human. Um, so the preference isn't always for everything digital. It might be a preference for digital first and then getting to a human who can answer further questions and help me more. So we try to make sure that we offer multiple experiences where someone can get a lot of things accomplished on the website or in the app, our biggest channels, or go into a branch and see somebody or 24-7 reach someone on the phone. So the path to a human is really a big part of our success here. Because you have to have that balance, is it harder when you think about your, your marketing mix and your distribution and how you budget? It is hard because when you, once you make the commitment to have the path to human, how do you do that from an operational standpoint? And how do you determine who wants and needs that path to a human? So, um, you know, we've done a couple of things where we used to always try to keep a member in the channel that they started their process in. But what we have found is often you may have started something, you may be uh, using chat in the app and asking questions. And then all of a sudden you get to a point where you want to talk to someone. Well, we look at that as like they basically want to go to another channel where before we had assumed that you always wanted to finish everything where you started. And we found out that's not true. Um, it is true for some functions because you just want to cross it off as done. But other functions, you get to the point where you have more questions or you have more needs. Um, so you want to migrate to a human. So we still are working through that and trying to do that at scale sometimes is a challenge on how much we know about you and, and where you started the process. How do we make fewer assumptions, make assumptions about you that are informed versus just maybe a uh, hypothetical myth or belief? So we try to use our data to get to a better uh, customer service, or as we call it, member experience, member service experience. Okay. So when I, I, I hear a lot of marketers talk about growth marketing, and you mentioned that earlier, but one of your favorite phrases you like to say is purpose-driven marketing. So does that tie in with some of these other things that you were talking about in terms of treating each person and remembering the mission, or is there more to it than that? Well, there is more to it than that, but it really is based on that foundation. The purpose as a credit union is serving you. It's not about what I want to sell to you. It's about what do you need and what do you need now and what's the most urgent in your needs, which might be often that we're talking to you about an information need um, or we know that you've engaged with us on a credit competence scoreboard, a digital tool that we have that can help you determine your credit score. But we know that really what you wanted wasn't the score and the number. You want to know how to improve it. So, you know, how do we take that purpose, which is really about, like I said, not always about selling you another product or service, but it's about getting to know you and say, how can I work with you? And Jeff recommend something for you specifically to improve that credit score. So um, that's a big part of that purpose. And the purpose, because our members are part owners, you know, we give back. Um, the dividends in terms of products and services and fees and branches that we're building, et cetera, that's all an investment back. So that purpose means we, we are accountable to you for what we're doing with the dollars and resources. Fascinating. So um, I'm curious at how you build your team and, and in terms of looking for the right fit, looking for skill sets, because you've had a lot of success there. And I know it's a challenge for so many executives getting the right talent and getting them to work together. So what's your secret? Well, it's an evolving secret because um, it always is the first thing that for us is really, really important. And we have found um, 
that's to be a culture match. Um, somebody has got to get that in the context of what's important, how we make decisions with the member at the table, not physically, but their personas and, and their profiles at the table. We want people to have that culture where they're going to do the right thing for the member. And we can train for different skills. We often have some of our great leaders here um, and my peers on management council, when you look at their careers, they've worked across a credit union in different path in different departments. And, and really their career has had both vertical as well as horizontal moves. So yes, we have subject matter experts, we have specialists, but we also have folks that are willing to work horizontal and learn and grow that way. And then it really further develops their career path. We are known as one of the best places to work. This was our 13th year on the row and in making fortunes best places to work list. And part of that comes from some of the some of the same secret sauce that we use with our members. And that is listen loudly and figure out how you can make sure that your employees feel valued and heard. As a service brand, that's critical to being able to deliver good service because we can't expect our, our employees to do that if they don't feel it in terms of how they were supported here. So it really starts with how we treat our employees in terms of how we then expect them to treat members. So, uh, but it is evolving. You know, what's important to people now isn't, wasn't, it's not always the same as it was five years this ago. Is, this uh, is also true, yeah, changing work conditions. And how have you guys navigated the whole work from home, come back to the office thing? We're still navigating. And I say that because, uh, you know, our culture very much was 100% of people are, are on-premise all the time, uh, unless you were assigned, and we had um, probably about 10% of our workforce US-wide was a remote worker before the pandemic. And we have easily doubled that. And um, for us, it's been, how do we retain the culture when our culture was really built around people being together and celebrating each other and celebrating birthdays and baby showers and and really those kind of events. And when all that went away in COVID, it was like, how do we replace it? And we've worked through it. We're still figuring it out. Um, we do have a workplace model. We do have a hybrid workplace where we have employees that are committed to be on campus full time. We have employees that are remote full time. And then we have a definition of hybrid that uh, people have said, I want to be hybrid. You have to be here so many days to keep your workspace, et cetera. But we've allowed employees to kind of pick the model that works for them and really have had very few problems in terms of people not being responsible about whatever they've committed to and and showing up and doing the work and, and showing up can be showing up at home or showing up here. Um, but it definitely has been an evolution. And a lot of executives are still trying to navigate that. And there are, are. I see a spectrum, right? Some some are no, have to be back in the office. It's the only way. Uh, others are like, yeah, you know, as, as long as they're productive, they could be anywhere they want. <clears throat> yeah, and we've discovered some things are harder to do. Collaboration, we've had to change how we do it. For example, we used to do more brainstorming where we would do a briefing in the meeting and then brainstorm around it, meaning record it, uh, send out the briefing document ahead, and then the time on WebEx is really about discussion. It's not about just getting together and reading to each other PowerPoints. So we've had to evolve some things like that in terms of the collaboration is still important, but how we do it has evolved and is continuing to evolve because honestly, we're still working on that. Good stuff. 
So you've had a lot of success. I'm just curious. I think executives learn the most when we can be vulnerable and talk about some maybe some of the mistakes that we had. Something that you can think about maybe in the last few years where you you learned from it. Yes, I have to say when I talked about those assumptions we make sometimes about members, I made one in that um, during COVID we were all missing those connections. And we talked about, uh, we've got everybody's birthday. So why don't we send every member a birthday card? So we operationalized that, did that. I thought that would make everybody happy. Who doesn't want to get a birthday card? That said, it didn't. We had a couple of members, um, ironically, who said, you know what? I know you know my birthday, but this is a data point about me you used um, in a way that maybe not what I would have wanted. And ironically, we took the members that had held up their hand and then we profiled them back through our segmentation study and they fell into two groups. So we knew that we had kind of hit a nerve. And uh, originally what I thought were maybe just people grumpy about getting older, I found was really about a privacy concern. And getting a birthday card wasn't respectful of that. And, uh, you know, whoops. Not not such a good thing. So we've now taken those two segments out of birthday greetings. No birthday for them. <laughs> no anniversaries. Nothing. <laughs> We're not even going to congratulate you on your son's little league championship. That's just. Uh, uh, but it's it's a really good point. You know that we can't make assumptions, and even when we have data, we have to use that data responsibly and and make sure we're getting input from from our customers. That's that's really good. So um, this is one of my favorite questions I like to ask for our guests. You are now a, a successful and accomplished executive. If you had to go back to your younger self, just coming out of school or right into the workforce, what advice would you give her? I have a little bit of a cheat for that because I actually have, I'll hold it up and you can decide if you want to show it to people. I have this one of my quotes from Ruth Ginsburg that says, fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And I share that advice with lots of people because fight acknowledges that it's not going to all be easy and we all need to manage some of those expectations. The things you care about means don't fight for everything. Be purposeful. So the part of the quote that says what you care about is being purposeful. Instead of fighting for everything, fight for those that really matter. And then the other part of the last part of the quote, I think, speaks to anybody who thinks they're going to or wants to be in a leadership do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Join you acknowledges that a lot of these things you're not going to be able to help make happen by yourself. You need a team. Learn how to lead that team and inspire that team so that they want to join you on the mission. Great advice. It's really easy to see you, Pam, why you've been so successful. Pam Pleijan, Chief Marketing Officer of Navy Federal Credit Union. Thank you for being on the program. Thank you so much.